Good morning. Good morning. Man, it's great to see you all today. Wasn't it a great musical worship experience this morning? I mean, just Vanessa and Charlie, I mean, just, just great stuff. So I uh, really uh, enjoy connecting to God in those kind of ways. And, and last weekend, what a great weekend. Our student ministry ran, ran everything. Curtis and Shelly did an amazing job. They're both incredibly talented people and our graduating seniors. It was, it was a great day to be here. And then we had the gathering where our student ministry band played. Phenomenal. Just a great weekend to be around last weekend. Well, today we're jumping back into our series that's entitled One Minute After You Die. You know, isn't that a great encouraging series? One minute after you die, something is going to happen, right? One minute after you die, when you breathe your last breath here on this earth, something changes. We talked about rewards that will happen in, in, in this transition. We've talked about uh, the judgment that happens during that transition. We've talked about the horror of being separated from God eternally in the place that Scripture calls hell in that moment. And today, we get to talk about heaven. How about a round of applause for heaven? Can we do that? Thank you. Some of you are going, I'm just glad I made it to the end of this series. We're doing the good stuff today, you know? It's the good stuff. And the whole purpose for this series is to help us understand that what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. All right? You got to get that. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about forever impacts how you live life in the now right now, this moment in your life. In other words, if you believe that your life is an accident, that you have no purpose, no reason for being here, that when you die, you go back into the ground, and that's it, if that's what you believe, then man, live life up. Live life for yourself. Live life to do whatever you choose to do, whatever makes you feel good. doesn't matter who you hurt, what you do, how you do it. If you believe this is all there is, then why not live for today? Because there is nothing else. But if you believe that you're going to live forever somewhere, somewhere, if you believe that, then maybe you need to start thinking about how you are living today. That maybe God created you for a purpose that impacts the people around you in your families, in your communities, in your, your schools, in your work environments, if you believe that God created you with a purpose, then why don't we start living like that? Because it impacts how we live, what we do today. And it should change the way that you live. So today we're going to focus in on heaven. Now, as difficult as it was to talk about hell, and it was difficult for a lot of us to make it through that teaching, it's not a whole lot easier talking about heaven because I can't describe it accurately. I can't give you exactly what heaven is because it's indescribable. There's too many things that go along with heaven that are so, so kind of conceptually out there that it's hard for us to kind of grasp on to what it is. I'm going to go ahead and read these scriptures, guys, in the booth. Uh, we're going to switch this up this service. So here, here's kind of 
how, how these scriptures about heaven go. The first one is 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I'll read this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Hold on to that, right? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has in store for us. It's going to blow you away. Sounds pretty good to me. Here's what Jesus says in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, Thomas always had issues. When you, when you see him in the New Testament, Doubting Thomas was his nickname. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, don't miss this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. No one. That's how you find where you're going. John wrote this after he had a vision. Revelation 21. He said this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and then there was no, no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Don't miss this part. Every tear from their eyes. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God, and they will be my children. Look at the person next to you. Say, I'm planning on seeing you in heaven. Just tell them that, would you? Hey, I know you may not even know them. You may be really uncomfortable with that. Tell them again, I'm planning on seeing you in heaven. No, no, really. Tell him, I'm planning on seeing you in heaven. You're going, I don't know what that means, but okay, I'm good, right? We're, we're, we're going there together. We're going to make this thing work. Let's slow this down a little bit. What's your idea of what heaven is going to be like? Have you ever thought about it? What's your idea of what heaven is going to be like? What are you going to be doing when you go to heaven? Somebody tell me, what are you going to be doing? You're going to see your mom. You're going to be worshiping. Somebody else, what are you going to be doing when you go to heaven? Wow, your, your ideas are... Seeing the people that have passed away. A lot of connections. Peaceful, okay? Somebody in the first service said, there's going to be peace. And I thought they said feast. I'm going, I'm with you on the feast part of that. You know, I, I, I kind of like that, that concept. What's it going to be like? Some of us have these misconceptions, right, about what heaven is. Like, like we're going to go to heaven, 
and there's going to be fat, bald, naked babies playing harp sitting on clouds. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's one of the pictures, right? Uh, you, get, you just kind of got that out there. Uh, I mean, and you're going to be singing hymns for your entire life, verses 1, 2, and 4, because nobody sings verse 3 in a hymn. I, I don't know. We don't sing hymns very often here. But that's what you're going to be doing when you get to heaven. 10,000 years, 20,000 years, 30,000 years of the same thing. Some of us think of heaven like that. We go, man, heaven is going to be boring. Anybody think that? Anybody want to be honest today and raise your hand and say, okay, yeah, I, that, that's kind of what, what, I, what I think. Why do we believe heaven's going to be boring? Because we've bought into Satan's lies about heaven. Here's what he does. He loves to throw us off by simply deceiving us. And to be real honest with you, it doesn't take much for us. We get deceived so easily. You know who Satan is, right? He's the same creature, Lucifer, that God created as an archangel, one of three archangels. You have Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer was the musical archangel, and he was the most beautiful archangel in heaven and amazing. And the problem was he was jealous of God because he wanted to be God. Five different times in the book of Isaiah, he essentially says, I want to be like God. I will know what God knows. I will do what God does. I am going to be God. So God at that point, whenever Lucifer tried to take over, throws him out of heaven. A big battle takes place throws him and one-third of the angels that followed Lucifer out of heaven. And a lot of theologians think those are the evil spirits that are currently here on this earth, right? So what does Satan, Lucifer, the prince of darkness, do today? What's his role today? He lies. That's it. He lies. He came to kill and destroy, to steal the things that are most valuable to you, not possessions, not possessions, to steal the things that are most valuable to you, your family, your relationships, your integrity, your dignity, your self-worth. That's why he came. And you know what? If I were Satan, you know what I would do is I would try to convince you, convince the whole world today what almost everybody believes anyway. You know what that is? Hell's not a real place. And even if it is, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, all my friends are going to be there, right? I mean, we're on the highway to hell. That's, that's the way it goes. That's what we think. It's going to be a fun party-type atmosphere. And so we just don't worry about it. He doesn't have to convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He just has to convince us that heaven's boring, that nobody wants to really go there. Do you really want to sit around all day in a boring church service for eternity? Hey, I'm glad you're here at 1030 on a Sunday morning. Can you imagine eternity in a church service where you're like, oh gosh, get me out of here. I mean, why am I here? This feels like hell to me, not heaven. And that's what some of you are probably thinking in your minds. We think about people sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp, singing all day long. None of that sounds good to me. I'm just telling you. It just doesn't. Now, when I was a kid and I thought about heaven, here's what it was. I always thought about 
the long lines at the pearly gates and St. Peter being there with his book saying whether or not you get in. I don't know why I always thought about long lines. I'm sure there was a joke or two that was kind of crass that went with those thoughts in my mind at that moment in my life. But it was like, hey, you know, a, a priest and a rabbi and a preacher all go to heaven to stand. I'm not going to go to that joke. But anyway, that's kind of what I thought. It's going to be long lines. It's going to be boring. Somebody lets me in, didn't let me in. I, I mean, and then my mind went to, to things like, again, sitting on clouds with harps. What's the deal with a harp? I don't like harps. I don't like little harps. I mean, maybe if you learned how to play it really well, it'd be all right. But most of us are just going to be plucking and strumming and not sounding good. And it's going to be a bad day, a bad week, a bad eternity. John Eldridge in his book, The Journey of Desire, says this. Nearly every Christian has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. We have settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky, one great hymn after another, forever and ever and ever, amen. And our heart sinks forever and ever, really? That's it? That's the good news? And then we sigh and we feel guilty that we're not more spiritual and we lose heart and we once more turn to the present to find what life we can to try to fulfill us and satisfy us. Why do so many people think that heaven's boring? Probably because we think that God is boring, right? God's the killjoy. God takes the fun out of everything. That's what we think when the opposite is the, the real truth. And I hope you understand that heaven will be the opposite of boring. It'll be the most exhilarating, exciting place that you could never even imagine at this point. Everything that you like doing, you like it because God developed that in you and for you. Everything. And that will be part of heaven. You're going, really, Scott? Really? Everything? I like eating. Come on. Is that really going to be part of heaven? Yes. Thank you, God, right? Anybody else like to eat, or is it just me? All right, good, thank you. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. I'm trying to fi figure it out, but I'm glad you all are right there with me. You know, what kind of food is going to be in heaven? What, what do you think about that? Your what's your favorite food? Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Thank you, Miss Evelyn. You've got to like fried chicken, right? I really like Cane's fried chicken, by the way, and Chick-fil-A fried chicken. I mean, Skyline, we know Gold Star's in the other place. So it's, it's not going to, I'm just saying. <laughs> what is it? Chicken tikka masala. Ooh, now we're getting into some tricky stuff, right? I mean, how, how about, I don't know. Alfredo, how about tacos and pizza and more pizza and Grater's ice cream? You know, how about some of that kind of stuff? You know, you think about your favorite food. For me, it's Frisch's coconut cream pie. That's just it. That's my favorite food. I like, I can eat about anything, but if I'm going to choose to hide out in my closet and eat somebody where nobody's watching me, 
it's probably Frisch's Coconut Cream Pie. And, and I, I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yes. What's your favorite place to go on vacation? Florida? Mountains? Hawaii? Puerto Rico? We got some pretty exotic places here. My wife's favorite place to go on vacation is North Reddington Beach, Florida. It's on the Gulf, and we stay at this little mom-and-pop hotel where you walk out your door and you're on the beach, right? That is her favorite place to go on vacation. And, and when we do, it's like you're watching the sunsets off your balcony, you know, and the, the mom-and-pop hotel is not real nice. I mean, it's worn-out furniture and worn-out beds and really small, but the sunsets and the sunrises are so beautiful. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. And when we get to Florida, you like strip off the hoodies and you put the t-shirts and shorts on and you feel the warmth of the Florida sun. And for me, what does it for me in Florida is when I smell the ocean air. You just smell that salt air and it's like, this is peaceful. This is relaxing. This is beautiful. I mean, when, when, whenever you think about those beautiful places, can you imagine the places in heaven and the beauty that are going to be there? Come on. When I feel love or joy or hope or comfort, those are emotions that God gave me because he loves me. Because I need those to survive. You need those to survive. And God gave those to you so you could, you, you could make it through the difficult times in life and the tough times in life. You need that comfort and that joy and that peace. Don't you think he's going to provide the same thing in heaven for you that he provides for you here on this earth and more? Scripture says there's going to be joy and peace in heaven. No more pain, sadness, crying, none of that stuff. When you go to heaven, you will enjoy everything that you enjoy on this earth but guess what? It's going to be better because we can't even imagine it yet. No sin, no pain, no sorrow, no death. It's the absence of everything evil and it's the presence of everything good. Heaven is the opposite of boring. It's going to be thrilling. It's going to be exciting. Let me give you just a few highlights from heaven, all right? 1 Corinthians 13. We will all know one another, love and be loved. You're going to know one another. When I get to heaven, you know who I want to track down? Elijah from the Old Testament, Elijah. You, you want to know why? Because I love the account of him killing 450 false prophets of Baal by himself. 450, I'm like, okay, Elijah, let's grab coffee. It's going to be a long morning because I want details. You know, how'd you track them down? Were there any moments where you thought they were going to kill you? You turned it around, you got them. Was there anything happened? Was it all you? I mean, were you tired? Did you eat? Did you have to, to, to sleep for a while? How did it work? I really want to know. Was it all God? Did you realize that at the moment? Okay, David, I got to track him down. Really? One rock and you killed a giant. How's that work? I mean, how many times did you sling the sling before the rock flew out of it? Was it a sharp rock or just a smooth rock? What was it? I want to know. 
I mean, those kind of things excite me. To I'm an action movie guy. I like that kind of... I want to know those, those answers. I mean, think about it. For those of us who have had family that have passed on, a parent, a child, a spouse, a friend, can you imagine what it's going to be like to see them again? All the pain that we go through and the heartache that we go through losing someone that we're close to. God gave you those emotions for a reason. It's a good thing that you missed them. And it's a good thing that you had a great relationship with them. And it's a good thing that you want to see them again. But listen, what are you going to do and what are you going to experience and what are you going to feel when you just run up and wrap your arms around them? What's that going to be like? My dad's probably going to look at me and go, who are you? You had a full head of hair when I left. What's wrong? I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be incredible. Reunited with the people that you love. No heartache, no rejection, no pain. Just perfect love. Will you be married in heaven? I've had this question a lot over the years. Will you be married in heaven? Some of you really want to know because you are really deeply connected to your spouse. And you cannot imagine not doing eternity with them. And some of you are like, are we really going to be married uh, in heaven? Does it have to be that way? I mean, how's that work here, God? I, I really I want to know. One lady wrote this. I'm a housewife and a mom. Am I going to have to cook and clean in heaven? It's a valid question, right? Now, my answer is, if you're married. I guess that's how it works. You're going to cook and clean. I don't know. Here's what Jesus said. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So no marriage in heaven. If that upsets you, you're still going to have a good relationship. Just anyway, it just won't be all of the things you have in the married life here. Will there be animals in heaven? How many people think yes? How many people think no? No hands going? Is there one or two hands? Okay. Yeah, you're the brave ones. You know, somebody's sitting beside you going, don't you tell me Sparky's not going to be in heaven. <laughs> the Bible talks a lot about animals, and I mean, they are Earth's second most important inhabitants. God gave us the responsibility of caring, naming, being in charge of the animals. They're a huge part of our lives. We've got four dogs. I sometimes love animals. My three-pound Yorkie male dog is the bane of my existence. My 100-pound giant schnauzer makes me happy. She's great. You know, but you've got all these things. Sometimes you like them, sometimes you don't. But God uses animals to impact our lives. Joni Erickson taught, I put it like this. If God brings our pets back to life, it wouldn't surprise me. It would be just like him. It would be totally in keeping with his generous character. Of all the dazzling discoveries and pleasures heaven will hold for us, the potential of seeing Scrappy, her dog, would be pure whimsy, utterly, surprisingly superfluous. Heaven is going to be a place that will reflect the goodness and joy of our great God 
who delights in lavishing love on his children. So are pets going to be there? Probably. We'll see when we get there, but it wouldn't surprise me. What's heaven going to be like? It's going to be a place of unimaginable beauty. I, I told you earlier, Joellen's favorite place for vacation is North Reddington Beach, Florida. The most beautiful place I've ever seen on this earth was the Highlands in Scotland. Unbelievably beautiful. The hills rose up to the sky like they were just part and melding in to the sky. Waterfalls just coming down off of those hills, hundreds of feet high. And the lush green was absolutely phenomenal. I can't even imagine anything more beautiful than that. But it's only a glimpse of what we're going to get in heaven, of the beauty that we're going to see there. Here's something that I think is interesting about heaven. We get new bodies. Oh, yeah. Amen, brother. Oh, yeah. We get new bodies. I'm standing in line for that one. I'll stand as long as it takes, right? You know, new bodies. And, and they're perfect bodies. Think about that for just a minute. For me, I mean, a lot of us want physical changes, whatever. We, we get that, right? For me, I became... My pancreas quit working in my body when I was eight years old. And uh, that means that I am an insulin-dependent diabetic. So since I was eight, for 48 years, 49 years, I've been on shots living under restrictions that are really tough to live up to. You know, what you eat, how you eat, when you eat, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, how you feel, how you pass out from from a low blood sugar, how you get nauseous from a high blood sugar, living my life with, with things that break down in your body because of that disease, right? Can't wait for that to be gone. And that's nothing compared to what some of you are dealing with. It's nothing compared to the things that, that, that you have in your lives that are just destroying you from the inside out. Perfect bodies. Well, will I do the things in heaven that I enjoy here on earth? That's a valid question, isn't it? I mean, is heaven going to be a place where I enjoy the things that I do? Anybody here love sports? Anybody? Raise your hands. Okay. I love sports. I am competitive by nature. I love sports. Pittsburgh Steeler football, I was raised in Pittsburgh. You Bengal fans, just keep it down a little bit, all right? I know Bengals are better than Steelers this year, but the season hasn't started yet. We'll see what happens. Anyway, I'm a Steeler fan. I'm a University of Kentucky basketball fan. That puts me on the hated list of most people around the country. You know, just those two right there. I love West Virginia University college football. I love cornhole. I love pickleball. I love penny pitching in a bathroom if I can get it. Anything where there's competitive nature going on. That's, that's just, some of you go, what's penny? Never mind, you, it won't mean anything to you. I love being competitive. And so I'm looking at heaven thinking, is that going to be in heaven? Absolutely it is. Why? Because God created us with those desires, those needs, those wants, and that's going to be there. Now, we're not going to get in knockdown, drag out, fist fights over Bengal Steeler kind of games. It's not going to happen that way. But you're still going to have things that you enjoy that are competitive like that. 
I, I don't know. Anybody here love painting, crafting, artsy kind of stuff? Yeah, a lot of you. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? When you get to create something, craft something, build something in heaven, colors that you can't even imagine right now, resources that you've never had before to do whatever you choose to do, I believe God will give those things to you because he loves you, because he wants you to experience those things in heaven, just like you're doing here on earth. Any, any of you all techie kind of people? computers, you know, kind of everything like that. You, you kind of get into the techie kind of stuff. You got to believe the most cool tech has not even been developed yet. Imagine what you'll get to work with in heaven, what you'll get to do in heaven, what you'll get to experience in heaven. Our God is a creative God. And the best is still yet to come. The best is yet to come. And here's one of our challenges, right? As people, we, we live in this physical world. As people, sometimes all we can think about is this current place, like this life, this world, this moment. That's all we think about. Why? Because we can't think past that. We just can't. Philippians 3 says this, their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We think it's about what we have. That's why we focus on it. We think it's about what we look like. We think it's about the clothes that we wear. We think it's about the car that we drive. We think it's about the house that we live in. That's what we focus on. That's what matters to us. And if you don't believe me, take a look at your spending from this past year tell you what you really focus on and what you, what, what you love the most. But that should be secondary. Let me, let me pick up this rope. I know you thought it was some kind of cord on stage. It's a rope, all right? And let's look at this side. This side of the rope, we're going to say that is the past. All right, it's the past. Now, I'm not just talking recent past. I'm talking creation beginning before the beginning of this world past. I'm talking forever and ever and ever and ever and ever ago. That's what's all the way down there. Look how, how much there is, right? That's a long time of the past. Look over on this side. What do you think this is? That's the future. Yeah. <laughs> That's the future. That's eternity, right? I mean, it is a long... Look, it goes and goes and goes, and that's eternity, and you think it's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's a long time, people. So where do you fit into the picture? Where are you between the beginning of everything and eternity? Where are you? We're going to called this, the history of mankind. All right? This is us. You have forever into eternity, and you have forever into the beginning of everything, and this is us. So maybe you start right here. Creation. 
this world coming into existence. Remember, there was forever before this world existed. God has always existed. God was always there. So this is the creation of the world right here. Going, okay. Not very much in the history of forever ago and forever in the future, but I, I got it. So what else happens along this timeline? Well, you got creation. Let's say Adam and Eve are right about here. We're just going to put them right here. All right, Adam and Eve. You have Adam that's created and God said, not good enough. He can't handle it on his own. We better create a woman to make sure he gets things done. And so he created Eve. All right? What, no amens, no claps, ladies, no nothing from you all. So we have Adam and Eve right here, okay? Now, when you look at that, then you got to go, well, let's, let's just do like a biblical timeline on this, all right? So you have thousands and thousands and thousands of years for the Old Testament of the Bible. So, so when you're looking at that, I don't know, maybe you've got Noah back here, you've got Abraham, you've got Elijah You've got Moses. I mean, just again, the entire, the entire Old Testament is, is right in this area, okay? That's not very much, is it? I mean, it's just not. We're going to skip pretty far ahead. Let's skip to Jesus. You know, maybe, maybe up in here somewhere, right? So you've got Jesus right here. Now you look forward and you've got the Renaissance. Pretty important stage in history. I mean, you've got, I don't know, the Gutenberg printing press, pretty important part of history. Now, we can all have books and read and have the Bible and all those kinds of things. That, that, that's an important timeline in, in history. Um, I, I don't know, maybe you have the Reformation. If you know your history, it happens right about here. And then you have the Industrial, industrial Revolution that comes in maybe right about there. And you fast forward to our era. We have World War I, maybe happening here. You've got the Great Depression. You've got World War II happening there. You've got Al Gore creating the Internet. Maybe happening here. It could be happening actually here. You just don't know when Al Gore created that stuff, so it might, I don't know. Anyway, you've got that happening right here. And then you fast forward to here. And guess what's right there? You. all the way in the past at the very beginning of anything, all the way in the future, eternity. Look how far that is. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And this is you, right there. What do we do? We focus on the now. We don't like to think about eternity, and we certainly don't think about the past very often, like the long-term past. We focus on now. You know what? I was in that stinking car accident, and I can't believe that happened, and I'm so upset about it because insurance isn't paying for it, and you're so mad because all you can focus on is the now. Does it matter in 100 years from now? If it doesn't matter in 100 years, it's not going to matter in eternity so let it go. Maybe if you're going, oh, I just am so upset. I, I, I mean, my niece stayed with us uh, last week and, and the toilet ran over all night 
and the toilet water ran down into my dining room, and now my dining room ceiling, this is a true story, is now destroyed. Does it matter in a hundred years from now? No. Then don't be so upset about it now. It's just drywall. And I am terrible at drywall. But it's just drywall. You know, that, that's all it is. It doesn't matter in a hundred years. I hate the way I look today. I just, nothing, nothing looks good on me. I, I, gotta, I gotta go shopping. I gotta buy. Does it, does it matter in a hundred years? Or is it only your concern for today? If it doesn't matter in 100 years, it doesn't matter for eternity, so drop it. We get so caught up in the now, in this part right here, we get so focused on the things happening to us and in us and around us that we forget how we're supposed to live and where we're truly supposed to be focused and what really, truly matters. So what matters for us? You living for this or for this? What matters for us? What, what's important for you? Why are we so upset? Well, here, here's the deal. What matters for all of us is the way that we live right now. Because this is where you're focused. What matters is the way that you live. What's that mean? Are you loving God and loving people? Is that your priority? Are you loving God and loving people? That's what matters now, and that's what matters in the future. Are you loving God and loving people? What matters is how you love them, how you treat them, how you care for them, how you provide for them, how you reach down a hand and pick them up when they fall down. That's what matters now, and that's what matters in eternity. What matters is what you give. Do you work so you can hoard everything for yourself? You're not generous. You, you, you don't care about anyone else. Or do you live now so that you can give and support and serve and help the people around you? Does that matter in 100 years? Yes. Because what you do now impacts the way people see you and the way they live and what you do for someone impacts the way they live now and how they're going to live in the future which impacts future generations Amen. what matters is how you serve and who you serve does it matter what their skin tone is Does it matter what their socioeconomic level is? Does it matter what kind of a house they live in? Does it matter what kind of religious background they have or don't have? If you choose to serve people or not serve people based on their past or who they are, then what you're doing is, does that matter in 100 years? Yes. Does it matter in the now? Yes. Because what you do, who you serve, how you view people matters for your kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. It impacts eternity by what you do today. Who are you serving and how are you serving them? What matters is that your speech 
breeds life and not hate. That your what you say builds up and not tears down. Yeah, I, I understand a lot of people need a lot of change and a lot of change needs to happen. And does that impact eternity? Yes, all that matters. But how you treat, love, serve, give to people, how you speak to people around you makes an impact now and it makes a positive impact for eternity. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 4. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever and ever and ever and ever. What you believe about eternity determines how you live your life today. And isn't it time we start looking there instead of being focused here? Will you pray with me, please? Father God, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. God, may you open up their hearts and their minds and their souls to what you want for them. God, may we all realize that eternity is here and we have a long time to go. Let's live our lives in the way that you want us to live. Let's treat people the way you want us to treat them. Let's be your hands and feet to the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.